Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. Years ago, I was sitting in my office. I was fairly new into the workforce and I was interviewing someone. The job description required degrees and this was in about 2010, 11 timeframe. And this person came in at the profile and it was a rec referral. And I looked at the resume and there weren't any degrees on there. And I learned a new word from this resume, autodidact. And I didn't know what that meant. So I looked it up and I learned that it's someone who learns by themselves. And this is someone who came in for a tech job uh, in integration test, and I interviewed them. And this was a moment where I had that reflection and realized, wait, there is more than one path. Their degree is not required. And this person we hired was an incredible team member, now is a senior software engineer, security engineer at a company, and and really making an impact in the world. And all of this is without a degree. And that's what is at the core of today's episode. We're calling it overqualified. And why do we say that? Because we're over being qualified as one of the characteristics of our culture, where what we mean by this is that we're over this fact that there is gatekeeping in our system where there's only one way and it has to be either through degrees or either through a specific path that is built by the system. And I, and we don't mean that that is the wrong way. We just mean that there are more than one ways to deliver the same outcome. And the system that gatekeeps all of these things and only this one way is allowed is where the challenge comes in. And that is something that we're discussing today. What is qualified? Qualified is defined by Tema Akun in white supremacy culture, still here, as the belief there is one right way to do things. Connected to the belief in an objective, quote unquote, perfect, that is both attainable and desirable for everyone. Connected to the belief that I am qualified to know that the perfect way is for myself and others. This is something that is a function of the system we live in. I read Viral Justice by Ruha Benjamin, by Dr. Ruha Benjamin, about where they shared that midwives and doulas that were part of the support systems of women through their rep reproductive journey, especially women of color, and how the white cis men doctors had a campaign to disparage and force their approach in reproductive care and focus it all on how they are the qualified people and they're the ones that can only support their reproductive rights. And that really got that whole economy of doulas and midwives and, and the folks in against the system and 
what caused what led is higher rates of C-sections led to more deaths in, uh, in during childbirth and less support and more pain for women. And even after the, uh, after the birth, the doulas and midwives provide support and emotional care. All of that was minimized and removed from the system because it was their one way. And this makes sense because the incentives for the doctors were all on doing the procedure and they, they built a system so that they could keep getting the money and the incentives towards themselves. And these are the experiences of people of color, Native Americans, women, and these experiences they face and they enter into spaces that get challenged where they are like, are you qualified to be in this space? And we see this immigrants and, and, and people of color and queer people, trans people, it's it's a common thread. It's one of those obstacles that so many people have to get get through and, and pass through when moving into some of these spaces. Uh, from Robin Wall Kimmerer's book, Breeding Sweetgrass, I learned that when she became a PhD candidate and wrote a great paper and did a great job, the professor said, you did really well, especially for an indigenous person. This system of qualified is established by the old world organizations to deliver outcomes their own way and their only one right way shows up in lives all a lot. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. Amy, what is your experience with quote unquote qualified and why are you over it? Thanks for that that wonderful introduction to this topic, Kevin. I really feel I'm so over it. Um, this idea of being qualified is very elitist and also ambiguous. And like, I'm wondering, I love wondering like what is qualified and who decides who's qualified to do a job? Who's the gatekeeper? And, you know, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about the gatekeepers are the ones, the victors, you know, the ones who have conquered um, cultures before. And I have to think when I think back on like being qualified for most of my career, I've been told that I'm not qualified to be in the room. So I've literally had re leaders tell me that I'm thinking of everything wrong and that I must adhere to their way of doing it. Um, but I've always known that it's not just one pathway that leads us to where we're going. So as part of my identity, I'm a first-generation American and also the first generation in my family to go to college. So I don't think I really had the support systems or a clear pathway for me to succeed in college and beyond. Um, so I've really taken all these different windy pathways to get to where I am today. And I think it's been led by my intuition. And I've found that like I'm in the rooms and able to have the conversations because I'm at the right place at the right time and to back it up with the right skills in the moment. Um, and so many people around me have had degrees, whether masters and PhDs, um, et cetera, MBAs from Ivy League institutions. And um and for the longest time, I always thought, I always felt like I was not qualified to be in the room, that they belonged there and I'm the odd one out. So it led me to have deep feelings of, of imposter syndrome um, and that I don't believe a place or status in the room. 
And I, looking back, I also feel like I had terrible self-esteem because of it. And it coupled with, with very little boundaries that made me un, unable to reach that unattainable goal of being qualified in their eyes. Because deep down inside, I really felt disqualified to be there. So the first pl- space I think I was finding in this work is in management consulting, like literally in that space, like people were, are hired to bring specific expertise to the table. And that's what you're brought in to do, to solve a problem that people are having. So I also felt it when I was working for the White House and everyone around me had this advantage. Um, and that was, I was like an expert at something. Um, and that that's often where I see this idea of qualified showed up because I've been studying it that I know that there's, there's not, that I know that there's not one way to do this. And I've seen in the space, like uh, specifically in the design space that I have, because I don't have a master's degree in design that I haven't been given the time of day. I seem unqualified because I don't have a master's degree in design. And so I think in many ways, because of this reason, I think that I've been drawn to helping others achieve equal access to like information and skills ever more than than's been happening before. And like, I think we call it the democratization of design and all of these different things that are happening there. And also because I know I have a lifetime of experiences, both per- personal and professional that I can draw upon and trust my intuition that I've honed over years and years and years on where I need to go. And I think this idea of unqualified or qualified, like, un, like does not allow us to tap into that intuition. So, um, so I try to focus my energy on people, which has been or thought of with living or lived experience rather than the experts in the room. And really... I don't want you to get me wrong. Like I really think that if I break my leg or I find out that I have cancer, I want that expert in the room to help me fix it. But when it comes to most things in life, I'd rather to have a society put more weight on like living experience over those experts in the room. Because like you said before, even the people who are so-called experts might not know who is what's best for that person or be able to meet them where they're at. Yeah, I love I love what you said there. And I think that's so important because I don't think we're saying and I, I want to be explicit. We're not saying that people like doctors or pilots, for example, that, that this qualification has to happen. But like we've known, there's pilots all over the world that learn and train from all different organizations and different perspectives. And this idea that just because you've got a degree um, that gives you that path to qualification, I've met a lot of doctors in my life where I've like, well, this person didn't really help me in my way. And like you said, <laughs> meet me where I am, right? Because it, it, it is that experience that comes into play as well. And back, coming back to the story of doulas and midwives, they had years of experience, more so than those, some of those white cis doctors who just went to college and learned. These midwives and doulas had years of experience working with women. And yet the system forced them out of 
jobs, forced them out of the, uh, their livelihoods, forced them out of the system completely because they wanted to maintain that power and their way of doing it. And so I really resonate with what you're saying. And um, I'm sure in your story, like the intersectionality of so many things, first generation American, a woman, all of these things add additional barriers in this uh, this quote unquote qualified system that we're living in. Um, I needed to be qualified to be allowed into the spaces like tech, which I understand we have to have the skills and the technical know-how and expertise, but being able to um, either it, it was, I remember interviewing and it was, I can learn, I can figure things out. I just need more time, but it wasn't enough for the time in the interview to be able to showcase that. So some of my early interviewing opportunities weren't going as well. It's great. But now when I look, reflect back of where, how far I've come and where am I, where am I in my role in tech and as a leader, as a, a person making an impact in this world, I look back and I'm like, wait, there's all these people who at that time was basically telling me I was not qualified. I, I didn't fit in and I had to find my own path. And, and that was a challenge, especially graduating in 2009 during the uh, height of the recession. Um, but one thing I did as part of this figuring it out on my own and navigating, uh, navigating it was whitewashing myself. And I think that is something that I wanted to highlight here is because part of qualified is being able to understand the culture. For example, are we celebrating the same holidays or are we speaking the language the same way? Are we, do we have the same accent? Is And I truly masked myself. I unlearned my Indian accent. I would make fun of the Indian accent. I would make jokes about my own culture to fit in so that I could navigate those white spaces. I could navigate these spaces where I was allowed to be in. I still didn't feel like I belonged, but at least I was allowed to be in so I could have a livelihood so that I can make an impact so that I could continue to live here. And then this isn't just as personal to me as we've seen it historically. The system forced Native American kids into boarding schools that were designed to turn, quote unquote, these barbarians into uh, Native folks into Christian upstanding members of the society speaking English. This is an example of that qualified system that is deeply embedded in the DNA of the culture that we live in and the system we live in. We still have not addressed this legacy from our past. Standardized testing, credit ratings, all of these are examples of qualified that permeate through our system. And just because a specific subgroup or a culture or community does not fit into the system, what ends up happening is they don't get access to resources. They don't get access to power. They are left and left behind and not included in the conversation at all. Even we learned recently from example, uh, we heard Michelle Obama express that she didn't express her hair the way she wanted to because she knew that the system and the folks wouldn't accept her and they needed time to slowly accept it. So she had to mask herself, change herself and, and, and fit in the way qualified, quote unquote, mean by the culture. And I, I feel we could keep bringing more and more perspectives and different ways that we see some of this. And I would love to hear, Amy, what are some of the ways we detect this internalized, quote unquote, qualified assumptions that we explore, experience in our lives? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good start from where you are of just being like people saying it's like that feeling of not feeling like they belong um, and wanting to not to do away with who you are as a human. Right. Like to feel like I need to do this part of do away with this part of me just so I can fit in. Um, so I think 
one of the things that we need to do is to build awareness within ourselves that we're starting to think of who's qualified to do a job or to be in the space or even as an, on a personal level, like, should I even be in this space? Um, we, we all really show up with these internalized assumptions of what, who should be in the room um, or space in the room. And then like, we should also question at the end of the day, is this conditioning that, that has been having and it's become second nature because we do this all the time. And I think we also need to see the world for what it is. Um, because like looking back on my time in those traditional spaces like consulting and the White House, I see now that it was like the water I was swimming in and not essentially a reflection of me as a person. So I didn't realize that all until I stepped away that I was carrying this feeling that I wasn't qualified to be where I was and my self-esteem was so low. And I personally feel like throughout life, we've been told that our worth increases the more we achieve and, um, and, the that like the letters you have be before or after your name tells you what your worth is but i think at the end of the day the truth is that our worth never changes no matter what we do so at the end of the day i think that a lot of people are running around thinking that we need to achieve more and not feeling our worth we're chasing that next promotion the next step that thing to achieve that another another rung on the ladder and and when we have that kind of awakening that we're more than what we produce, we start seeing our worth that much more. But I think we also start seeing each other's worth because we're not dependent on what they achieve or what I achieve. So I think that's like on a personal level. And then there's an, another layer here where it's like society accepting this because yeah, you can do everything you want on a personal level. And I really think that a lot of this work deals with us as uh, changing on a personal level, but um, it's true that the bigger society doesn't always respect this living or lived experience, but there's also a growing awareness that our vision of qualified is changing. And one example is that earlier this year, I was working on a transformative project with a national nonprofit um, and we called it Education to Career Pathways. And we were trying to find and grow high quality pathways that do not center on the college experience for like Gen Z and beyond. And so what we found in our research with you know employers, families, students, et cetera, we found that it's a well-worn path, this idea of college, and that many parents think they failed their child if they didn't go to college. And also employers don't really, really see a clear path to hire people from these pathways. So we're realizing there's so much work to be done. There's a lot of stigma around this, but there's a huge movement happening across the country that college is not the only and the best way to do um, to do that job. And so I'm curious also, Kevin, like, you know, I just talked a little bit about the personal societal level, but what are some other ways that we can help recognize that belief that there's only one way of being that we're qualified to be in the room? Yeah, I think it's important to talk about um, how we 
sort of understand uh, quote unquote qualified and understand like, this characteristics of uh, this characteristic of our culture since it is so internalized in us and in the system and uh, okun provides some remedies to our internalized qualifiedness and um, one is knowing ourselves. I think fundamentally, if we can work to better know, or understand ourselves, who we are, we can separate out our skills from our own assumptions of qualifiedness. And I think that's an important thing is like, for me, I you know I, I going into the workforce, I didn't know I was a good coder yet, but I knew I could learn and figure it out and make things happen. And I'd proven myself again and again and again, but the system told me I wasn't qualified. So that sort of brought my self-esteem down. And I really loved what he said earlier about the worth is like, our oh, worth doesn't change. And I was standing here snapping my fingers, excited about that. And so <laughs> um, the other aspect uh, to understand is is um, to sort of address some of this and combat uh, this sense of qualifiedness is becoming comfortable with not knowing not knowing is a powerful place to be. All of these Okun lays it out in, in, in our paper and it's, it's incredible to uh, sort of reflect on some of these things, being comfortable with not knowing and that's okay. It's okay if we don't know. We live in a system where we, if we don't know, we somehow feel less. And that I feel like when I don't know, I feel more now. I feel like, yes, curiosity, I'm excited. <laughs> I can learn, right? Um, building a community and systems based on diverse perspectives rather than a hom homogeneous organization and gatekeepers. So bringing in voices and different approaches, different tools, different systems to deliver the same outcome. I think that is so important. If if five people can do the same, can fix my legs in their own way, but I get the same outcome where I get a full life back at the end of the end of that, then let, let us put that on the table. Why is that only one way solution? Because that's the only way, way that's been allowed to be demonstrated. And then addressing our internalized, I know best assumption. I know best is in quotes. It is a form of narcissism that must be reversed is I know best. And I used to do this a lot. I'd like, I know this, I'm pretty good. And, and wow, what a slap in the face that was, you know, <laughs> when I first realized that this was the system voice telling me. Yeah. And it's so ingrained inside of us and that narcissistic mentality of like, I know best pops out. And I think those are all very powerful remedies. Um, and along with the idea of narcissism, I think there's this, you know, some things that we can do in relationship no with others, no matter where we are, there's indicators that you are kind of having a mind, a qualified mindset is bubbling up. And I think connected to the narcissism of like, you know, I know best is somebody's ego is showing, you know, that like there's, I'm right and you're wrong. Um, and that's underlying all of that is like this idea of judgmentalness that we're unwilling to take their perspective. And what I found is really fascinating about this is that this is directly linked to a type of empathy called cognitive empathy. In And in cognitive empathy, it's the head portion of it. So like of empathy. So you take in other people's values and beliefs through their eyes, how they see it. Um, and if you really do cognitive empathy well, it means that they will, people will feel seen and heard and accepted where they are. And there's two attributes to cognitive empathy. There's taking somebody's perspective, seeing the world as others see it, and then putting your own mindset aside to see that situation through their eyes. And then second is staying out of judgment. So 
judgment of another person's situation discounts their experience. So if we can start taking their perspective and stay out of judgment, um, that will help overcome those negative biases that we have. Because and going back to Tema Okun, she says, we must learn to let go of the need to fix, save, and set straight in the acknowledgement that we are all at our best when we are with others and ourselves. And so that goes back to that idea of empathy. The definition of empathy is feeling with somebody instead of for them, right? So you're in you're in community with that person, you know? So that gets down to the empathy power up idea that we have today. And, you know, the other thing to come back around for the cognitive empathy piece is to avoid judgment. And the best way to avoid judgment is to be a curious human, to help lean into others' experiences over what their resume, their LinkedIn, their CV says. And what is really fascinating is that when you are curious, you cannot also be judgmental. But you can also switch between the two. So this is another awareness building piece here is that when you lean into curiosity, you are not judgmental, but you can easily slide into judgment. Um, So when you start seeing that, you can keep coming back to curiosity. So, you know, with all of this um, idea of overqualified, we're way overqualified. We think that we should lean into the curiosity over judgment of our cognitive empathy, taking somebody's perspective And that is underlying all of this idea of qualified, right? Is that that perspective, that experience matters so much. So today we're going to ask the question to you all, how does the concept of qualified show up in your day-to-day life? And how might we lean into curiosity over judgment? Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at realamyjwilson and Kevin at shawkevin.com.